Well, here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Sotolero, and with me always is the co-host of the show, my partner. 50-50, right? This isn't mine. It's a together toy. <laughs> Kelly Grayson, KG, how are you? I'm good, brother. How are you? Good, man. How have things been? You missed last week. You were on special assignment uh, trying to fill the jelly beans in the Volkswagen contest. How yeah, did that go? Yeah. Well, some some idiot kept eating all the licorice uh, jelly beans, and uh, and we lost by by four four beans. Man, it it was horrible. That's crazy. That's crazy. Horrible. I mean, that, those licorice ones, you got to have a flavor for them, man. You got to have a flavor for them. But uh, yeah. so Kelly, this week, you know, a lot of, a lot of talk in the news, and and not only in the EMS and fire news, but also in the mainstream news. And, uh, you know, reading an article, it was in Newsweek, an Oklahoma firefighter disciplined for driving a burn victim to the hospital instead of waiting 20 minutes for an ambulance. And we know that this has been on social media and people have been talking about it. But if you've not heard the story, Oklahoma City firefighter was disciplined and lost his command uh, on Christmas Eve. Uh, they went to a scene of a three-year-old girl. And who was suffering second-degree burns to her lower body? They arrived. First responders arrived on scene about 7:13, and they soon upgraded the EMSA ambulance from priority two to priority one. And 7:22, uh, they made a call, uh, wanted to know where the ambulance was. 7:30, this uh, major, this fire major canceled the ambulance, took the baby and transported to the hospital in apparatus and faced disciplinary actions. And the fire chief uh, made the comment, we don't transport patients. You know, so when we think about this, you know, we've all been on scenes where we've had some of these challenges, right? And I think we have to talk about this moral dilemma of, um, you know, kids i mean and you think about this from the standpoint of right wrong or indifference i think that that's where we want the debate to come today kelly i mean what are we going to talk about i mean what do we think about this you know i I can i can certainly empathize with the firefighter um it's it's a child and no one wants to deal with a you know uh delay care on a uh uh, on an injured child, uh, even more so than, than an adult, the, the emotions ramp way up. I would imagine that the child's parents were probably there, uh, freaking out. And we all know that the, the phenomenon of time dilation, when, when one of our loved ones is, is injured at that 20 minutes, probably seemed like two hours. Uh, on the other hand, um, you know, what, what if they'd gotten in an accident? Uh, do, do you, uh, do you have child restraint? seats necessary to restrain a a four-year-old child in your in your uh fire engine um what if something had happened then what if the child had needed airway management or or something along those lines uh on the way to the hospital uh probably wasn't a good idea on the part of the firefighter um you know everyone is is an expert about someone else's call uh but viewed objectively burns once the the fluid needs are met and uh and the the airway problem once the burning process is stopped and the airway uh, problems if any are managed burns are not really time sensitive emergencies uh you know as long as you get some get their fluid into them according to the the current uh fluid resuscitation uh formulas it's really not that time sensitive an emergency so uh probably not 
viewed objectively justified to transport this kid to the hospital. Um, this news story says that he's going to be internally disciplined. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably appropriate. Uh, I, uh, someone who's acting on in the best interest of a patient uh, and does something that may be outside of policy, I can certainly sympathize with that. Uh, it's happened to me before and it will happen to me again. Um, and, and I hope that, uh, that he learns his lesson without it harming his career. Yeah. I don't know, really know how I feel about it. You know, being an EMS leader, being a paramedic, being a parent, you know, the mother, um, makes the comment that she appreciates every decision he made when the system failed her. She added that Brit, uh, made a decision not only as a first responder and a firefighter, but as a father and a fellow Oklahoman. And yeah. he made the best choice for the care of the patient. And when we think about this being in the heat of the battle, I mean, is it something that you lose your command over because you made a decision on scene that was um, maybe questionable or broke policy? And, you know, we could all sit here and be armchair quarterback. And as an as a EMS leader, I have to think about it from a leadership standpoint of what does it really mean to the organization? And the complaint of this came from EMSA actually. So EMSA complained to, um, you know, put a complaint in. And so it was the uh, EMS agency that, you know, took the fire department to task. And I understand your point of restraint. I understand your point. I don't accept your point of airway management. Uh, if they're responding as first responders, they have some type of training that Maybe. could help manage the airway. Um <laughs> I mean, again, I got to think that first responders who are showing up to a call, um, they've got to have some semblance, some training to handle some life-saving events that's going to happen, Kelly. I I don't really know, again, the specifics of certification of Oklahoma City firefighters. Um, But I don't know that the the charge warrants a... uh, you know, losing your command, you know, I, I think, I think in the heat of the battle, you make the decisions that you need to make. And sometimes, you know, th- those decisions will be right. Sometimes those decisions will be wrong. But I think that this is more of a bigger issue here, right? So when we talk about a priority one call, eight minutes and 59 seconds, we talk about a priority two call, 11 minutes and 59 seconds. That's when you have to be on scene. We're talking about 20 minutes now. A third mm-hmm. a priority three call is 15 minutes. So we're not even into this type. We're not even into a priority one, two, and three call. Um, so we're missing this. We're missing this event. Now I, I understand well, and I'm going to babble, I guess, because I have thoughts that are just hitting me left and right. But we have challenges with uh, coronavirus. We have challenges with staffing. We have challenges mm-hmm. with increased with increased ambulance calls, and um, you know the eventuality of this so-called. Uh, 20-minute response time is that the ambulance was eventually just a half mile away when the decision was made to cancel the ambulance. So I think with all the factors that go into this process, um, did it have to be as drastic as it was? I don't know that I would have really um, had heartburn as a leader over this issue. Certainly, I think that if my ambulances were 20 minutes late yeah, I, and, know, the fire, and the fire department decided to make a call. I don't know that I should have an issue with it. Um, you know, I, 
there's no question that the the uh, the EMS system there is taxed to its limits and perhaps even beyond. Uh, coronavirus has hit them really hard. Uh, I've got some friends that work uh, in that system, and uh, they tell me that the the uh, call volume and the, the system burden and system demand is is just through the roof, uh, and it's really getting ugly up there. Not only just with with the call volume itself. Uh, but downtime at the hospitals. Um, uh, I was told last last week that uh, some of the hospitals, the main hospitals they transport to up there, are asking them to stay with their coronavirus uh, suspected patients in the ambulance in the ambulance bay for well over an hour uh, on a regular basis. They don't even want them in the hospital. Stay with the patient. Keep the patient in the back of your ambulance and sit in the ambulance uh until we're ready for you and um i got problems with that i, I got serious problems with that uh, that a hospital makes a uh makes an ems provider do that uh I, I can't help but think that no matter how bad the situation they can come up with a better policy uh but it 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 goes to you know it, it makes the point that that the the system up there is is extremely taxed with the current the uh current uh, pandemic and that, uh, um, you know, things like response times and delays like this are, are, are going to be part and parcel of, uh, of things until, until this, uh, this pandemic wanes a little bit. Uh, and, and we see now that it's, it's causing some strife between the first responders in the city and, and EMSA and AMR, the, the contractor there. So, uh, you know, uh, Everybody is 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 uh, probably on edge, uh, working harder than they should. Hopefully that the the IMSA and, and uh, the Oklahoma City Fire Department can uh, come to some some degree of understanding here. But you know this is not the first time this has happened, Chris. This is not the first time it's happened. Well, maybe in Oklahoma City, but but in in systems that are taxed beyond their limits or systems that are having problems with with uh response times and and uh system demand have had this i remember in in uh in ems one uh some years back there was a a uh, off-duty uh uh dc fire ems uh, uh paramedic who who transported a patient in a fire engine uh and, uh, and it wasn't DC Fire EMS, but he worked there. He transported the patient in a fire engine because the ambulance was too far away. Um, uh, a child having a seizure. Uh, and, and in that case, I think it was a really, really bad call. The ambulance was like five minutes away, and the child was postictal from the seizure, and the and the hospital was was a, a couple of minutes away. Um, but uh, you know, not the first time that that someone. Uh, uh, like uh, Captain Britt has has uh, made a decision like that, and we all know of of, of instances where where cops have uh, have transported their own in the back of their cruisers uh, when one was severely injured, uh, rather than wait for an ambulance. Um, you know, we don't know the the details of this beyond what the the newspaper says, but. We still don't know the the details beyond what the newspaper report says, but I can't help but think that that uh, this situation probably could have been avoided uh, by cooler heads all the way around. Yeah, I mean that, that that armchair quarterback thing is really kind of tough, you know. And we've been in these emotional settings before. I mean, as the transporting unit, it's a little bit different for us. 
you know, we're the ones who are taking care of the patient once we arrive. And, yeah. you know, when we think about the emotion of the call, it's really hard. I mean, you talk about, um, you know, using personal vehicles or even police, you know, you talk about them transporting their own, but there mm-hmm. have actually been, there have actually been, um, cases where they've actually transported patients as well. And, you know, when we yeah. think about this, should we really have, when these decisions are made in the heat of the battle, should we really be, um, you know, I don't know what word to use. I mean, is it really a, a is it really a, a terminable offense, right? I mean, is it really yeah. a, a hanging offense? Um, you know, you make the decision that you make, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, and then you sit back and you say, you know, don't ever do that again. Um, yeah. You know, that's not our gig, you know, trust in the system. But what it really, it looks like that's what happened here. But what it really, well, I mean, when you lose your command, I mean, you know, you're not in charge of your shift anymore. Um, that That's, I mean, I think that's a hanging offense, right? I yeah. think that that's, okay. uh, you know, and, um, you know, when you make a decision, I think in the heat of the battle, we've got to be able to stand by those decisions and we've got to be able to, you know, and I used to say this to the leaders, supervisors all the time, man. I mean, you know, I'm hired as the EMS leader to make decisions for the system. I'm not there 24 yeah. hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And we've got to be able to trust in the people that we put in those leadership positions to make decisions. And I used to tell them all the time, make a decision. You may make a wrong decision, but if you make a wrong decision, I'll, you know, let's talk about it the next day and say, you know, maybe next time consider this. <laughs> but in the absence of uh, you know, options, you make the best decision that you can. Now, how about mm-hmm. if, if it, it would have been, and I don't know that this happened in this case, and certainly I'm not putting it on it, is, you know, I go ahead and say, make the best decision that you can. And then the decision is made the next day or whenever it was, I say, yeah, you know what, you can't be a supervisor anymore, because that was, a, that was a bad decision. We don't do that. And this is a bad decision. And uh, because of that, you don't get to be a lean system anymore. Um, I don't think that that's right. I don't think that's fair. Well, do we do we know that's what's happening? You know, as a no, leader, I, have have you ever have you ever been in a position as a as a, a leader to to make some kind of corrective action because that's what's expected of you? Uh, but you kind of knew that that uh, this wouldn't last very long. You know, you had to slap someone on the wrist or or give some token discipline, um, uh, but knew you know, deep in your heart that, uh, that this person was a, was a good hand, uh, and would, would rise back up the ladder rather quickly. Uh, once this, this incident dies down, you know, that happens. And, and that's what I'm saying. You know, that's why I say, I don't think it's a hanging offense and that they didn't, they didn't administer hanging punishment, um, because he'll keep his same rank and pay, but he's going to face internal corrective measures, according to the uh, the Newsweek story, which probably means, hey, I, I you know, I have to do something. Um, uh, we have to send a message that we don't transport people, and that you are a, a shift captain, and and you need to uh, you need to make better decisions than that. And then, you know, six months later, he's reinstated to shift captain. You know, I, that's how that I see this kind of this kind of thing going. It's happened before, and and you know they, uh, you know when you when you have to do something, even though uh, as a leader you have to do something, you have uh, even though personally you might agree with what he did, uh, but for for political and PR reasons you can't say that. Um, 
you know, <clears throat> what's what's uh, what's Chief Kelly going to do if a reporter asks him, you know, have you have you disciplined this firefighter? You know, he's going to have to say, well, yes, I have. Or he said, no, we don't think anything, you know, went wrong. And, and uh, um, how's that going to look uh, to uh, IMSA uh, who, who um, lodged the complaint? So I, I can see where he's coming from. I, I don't uh, uh, I don't think this is going to uh, ruin Britt's career. So do you think I mean, I guess you stand on the side of it, it's something you should it shouldn't have been done. No, I don't necessarily stand on that side. This is just one of those things where it's just a bad situation and there are no good decisions to make. Uh, you try. Um, I, I, I don't know that that is the case, but, but I've been in bad situations where, uh, the only just, you know, it's, uh, uh, you have, you know, your face, uh, face with a very difficult choice and none of the, the options available to you are, are ideal, but you do what you can with, with, uh, with the options you have available. So, Interesting. uh, I certainly wouldn't have been in his place. You've never been in one of those situations where the, you know, uh, everything you could do was probably not something that's in the book, but you had to, you had to choose the, the best from a, a list of bad choices. No, but I think that that's, the, but I think that goes into the argument too of being able to use your critical thinking skills. And, you know, one of the things that you talk about all the time is, you know, our protocols or guidelines. And sometimes we got to think outside that box and, and treat the patient. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of the same thing, right? It's a bad situation that's dictating your action. And, you know, in the sense mm -hmm. of if we're going to use our critical thinking skills, our problem solving skills to make a bad decision. Do we really need to, you know, next time I need to make a critical decision, I'm going to really kind of err on the side of my own, you know, my own self-preservation uh, uh, and not really what's best for the patient. And I just know that that sends the right message, man. You know, you know, I've, I got to yeah. tell you, man, I've made horrible decisions as a paramedic, bro. <laughs> I mean, I, I've made bad clinical decisions. I've I've missed, I've missed, uh, uh, you know, I've got tunnel vision and I've missed the real cause of the, of the, uh, you know, of the, uh, uh patient's needs. I, I mean, as a leader, I've failed. I mean, so yeah, I mean, have I been on the wrong side of making horrible decisions? I've been on the wrong side of making horrible decisions. Yeah. But, uh, and some of those decisions caused me to get disciplinary action. Some of those decisions caused me to, um, you know, lose, lose my status as well. And, uh, but you know, we just got to be able to do what we got to do. And, and, uh, but I think that the next time this happens, what if it would have been 40 minutes? I mean, you got to think about yeah. it on, you know, on the scene, but you know, I guess we've kind of beaten it up. Right. So basically it's an interesting call that has everybody in EMS and the fire service talking. And, uh, you know, that's why we bring this up, right? We're talking right. about everything that everybody's talking about in EMS. Wrapping, wrapping in the front seat of our ambulance. You know, I, I, the, the thing is, it says, you know, they had to wait for over 20 minutes. Um, it doesn't quite add up to that. Uh, Britt arrives on the scene at 713, uh, asks for an update from IMSA at 722. So nine minutes later, uh, and at 730, uh, he transported the patient. So 17 minutes total on scene, but, but also keep you in mind, put, you got to put the response time in that too. So this is, this is true, but, but also keep in mind that 
you know, he didn't know how far out the, the paramedic was according to the news story there, there may be, and probably is more to the, to the story than what's reported here. Um, but once again, this is not a time sensitive thing. Um, uh, this is a, a child with second degree burns to the, the lower part of their body. So no airway concern. There's no breathing, uh, concern. Uh, it's just a, a hurting child in pain, which some people will probably overreact to, uh, especially when the parents are there and the emotions are, are dialed way up. So I can certainly see why he did it. I, I um, I can't help but think that maybe a, a, uh, um, <clears throat> a little more circumspection and, and calming the parents. And, and if they can do things like administer pain medication, uh, would have, would have solved this problem fairly well. Um, but uh, once again, I don't know the, uh, the level of training that Oklahoma city firefighters have, but, uh, yes, it's certainly a, uh, certainly a, uh, an interesting case and, uh, and fuel for, for much debate. Well, you guys have heard what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Is there a situation where a first responder would ever be justified in transporting a patient uh, on a fire engine or in a police car? Uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at EMS1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Sabalero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.